And I say all the time, and I will say this to the top of my lungs, it is so crazy to me how we literally talk midwives and now it's being sold back to us and we can't afford it. Hi, my name is Augustine Colebrook and I'm the principal at Midwifery Wisdom Collective. I speak on this podcast about big picture, political issues, and the future of our profession. Hey y'all, I am Jamara and I'm a midwife. I'm also a birth justice activist. And this season, I am looking forward to sharing stories of black midwives and the communities they serve. Hello, beloved birth community. I'm Angela Love, nurse midwife since 2004, preceptor and mother I have a home birth practice called Midwife Love and a national telehealth practice called Midwife RX. My mission is to keep birth choices available and to educate the next generation of midwives for our daughters and grandchildren. Matriarchy Now. I'm Layla Wyatt. I get to share with you the voices of student midwives from across the country and beyond. This season, we focus on those students who just graduated, are about to sit for the NARM, or did yesterday, and we get tips and tricks for you for what happens at the end of the student midwife journey. I'm so, so excited to be here. Yeah, for our listeners, <laughs> tell us who you are, what's your name, where are you currently, and where are you currently in your journey? I am the amazing Shay Pounds. I am a, I guess, kind of a midwifery student, but there's a Black elder midwife here who says, um, walk in your purpose, right? You decide who you are. Don't let people decide for you. So I say I'm a midwife. I've said I'm a midwife for years and years now. Um, but with that being said, I am actually a midwife now. I have just finished all of my numbers. And I am um, getting, I'm literally, I'm supposed to be going tomorrow to get my paperwork signed by my preceptor um, so I can get all my stuff sent into NARM and hopefully test tomorrow. Um, well, if I'm going to send the paperwork tomorrow, maybe test on Friday. Um, so that's where I am. So I guess if you want to compare that to something, I am at the point where you pushed out the head, right? But it's that primate. Pause so in between. Yeah. So like what's happening and you've got that pause and now you're waiting for the shoulders to rotate. That is where I am. Everybody mm. understands that, right? That's yep. where I am. My, my head is hanging out and I'm waiting for my shoulders to rotate. And vitals yeah. are all fine. And there's no, yeah, the baby sounds and good, mom's no fine. Cord. Birthing yeah. wasn't as fine. Like, yeah, everything is good. We're just, we're just waiting. And sometimes it happens that way. And then I'm going to come out screaming and yelling and my app bar is going to be a nine. So it's fine. I'm not worried at all. <laughs> and where are you right now? Like uh, location. Geographically, I am in um, New, I am in Slidell, which is right outside of New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, I recently moved to Slidell. So I kind of work in what, what we call um, the North Shore, which is mm -hmm. literally north of New Orleans. And in New Orleans, which is what North Shore people call the South Shore. So I work in both of those places. Nobody calls it the South Shore, but North Shore people, though. Yeah. So Slidell is kind <laughs> of in the in-between, I guess. Um, 
between New Orleans and the actual North Shore. So I live on the in-between. So we go back and forth to birth. Yeah. So I, a couple of our listeners may know this and a couple probably don't, but I was born at a little house in Lacombe. Okay. <laughs> yep. So I grew up in Lacombe, Mandeville, Covington, Folsom okay. area. And so you um, know the North Shore and the South Shore thing. I know. I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah. So I am, I, my heart is like with you more than maybe other students because you yeah. are like in my area. And which we'll talk about this afterwards. I hope to come back to the area pretty soon. So, yeah, there's all but kinds of personal things. Don't try to surprise me. Yeah, there's so many things that like I will pick your brain on later that like our, our listeners like don't care about. Maybe okay. they will. And y'all, if y'all are listening and you still end up hearing this fun chit chat from the side, um you've got to make connections with people like as much as midwifery is the small you know world and things like that like tell me tell me you didn't have to like bring somebody something good to eat and no no it it absolutely was a connection there is a a nurse midwife here she's my friend she's the godmother of my children like you know um and I was like I want to be a home birth midwife and she was like great you should reach out to Effie but when I emailed Effie it was like yeah okay sure and I was like that was that (laughs) that didn't seem like the way I thought it was going to go because I was like ready to take her off a coffee and I had this whole spiel and I was like dressed up in my interview clothes, you know, because she like told me to come into the office. So I'm like dressed all up. I have all these things, but I think, I think what happened is my mentor friend, godmother called and was like, Hey, Effie, I'm sending this person over there. Um, you know, so I, I really think that's what happened. And then the same thing kind of happened with, um, with my other preceptor too, Melody and Melody was like, Oh, so who are you? And I'm like, telling her all these things. I'm spilling my guts. Right. And then Grace is like, Oh yeah, this is the person I've been telling you about. And I'm like, okay, right. Because right. you don't just walk up to somebody and they decide they're your preceptor. It doesn't exactly. happen like that. There's yeah. always like all of these things happening under the yes. water. And I get a lot of questions all the time. Like, how did you find your preceptor? Or, you know, how did you start midwifery? Or how do I find this? Or how do I do that? And I'm like, you don't know who you're talking to when you talk to someone. And you need nope. to make sure, because it could be your next preceptor. It could be your next client. Yeah. Or it could be someone who knows someone, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's a small world and you don't know who you're talking to. So um, you mentioned you're in Louisiana near New Orleans area and why birth? Why midwifery? What brought you to it? Oh my God, I'm here on accident. (laughs) (laughs) You are. Well, I don't know. Keep going. No, no, I I truly am here um, on an accident. I was in college, like a normal 18-year-old. I did a year at Howard University, and I got sick while I was there, so I I ended up coming home, and I went to a community college, and um, I had moved back to Memphis. I'm from Memphis, and um, 
I was there and I was dating this guy and I thought I was pregnant, right? So I'm like, oh shit, you know, like this was not the plan. So I remember like looking online, trying to find these things to help me. And I always tell people the two things I found was a doula and um, cloth diapers, right? Those are the two things that made sense to me. Around here, I am the cloth diaper queen. That's what <laughs> they call me. I did not give myself that type. Um, I just saw the cloth diaper in class like a week ago. I love it. So those are the two things I found. Um, I reached out to the doula. Turns out I wasn't pregnant, but I was already interested by hmm. that time. So I went and met with her anyway. And I did my first training um, and it was good. So I started like building a website and reading these books and doing all these um, things. And as life would have it a year later, I like got married on a whim. Right. So that's what brought me to New Orleans. And when I came here, um, someone connected me to um, a person who's now in midwifery school. She's going to school to be a nurse midwife. Her name was Jamila. And she worked for Birthmark Doulas, which I work for them now, oddly. And um, she told me to reach out to sister, sister midwife, reached out to Nicole. Um, and I was like, okay. So I reached out to this person. She had a doula train. I was like, I already did that, but I'm going to do it again. So I took the doula training and I was like, okay, I'm definitely all in. This is like maybe two years after the initial interaction. And I knew that this is what I wanted to do. This solidified everything for me. So I, calling my mom and telling her like, oh yeah, I'm not gonna, gonna go back to college. I'm gonna be a doula. And my mom was like, the hell? What? No girl, what is that? What is a doula? You know, mom's like, I've never heard that word. That does no. not sound like mm -mm. a career path. Birth work, I don't know what that is. That sounds crazy. Um, You know, like at, at first she really wasn't on board. And then the more I got immersed into the work, my mom became interested. Um, And then I had my own baby. When I got pregnant, I hired a midwife um, and I wanted to have my baby at home. So by then I was all in right um my first baby was a home a home birth transfer but I was already bought and sold on the idea of home birth like having my baby in the hospital felt very unnatural to me so I was like yeah we're gonna do this I applied for school I talked to my preceptor uh, not my preceptor my mentor at the time um I'm like let's I, I need to figure something out like what can I do like what can I what what am I supposed to be doing? You know, because I was so vigorated about doing the work, especially because New Orleans did not have a black CPM. There was no black CPMs here that I could call. Um, so I applied for school. I actually applied to Indie Birth Midwifery School and okay. I like reached out to them like, hey, you should really have a scholarship for black women. And it's actually absurd that you don't. And they were like, Turns out we do and you want it, right? So I got to go to school for free. <laughs> um, if you know me, that's like such a testament to everything I do. Like if there is something that I think is wrong, I'm going to speak about it. And they were like, great. And they set up a scholarship program after that, actually, mm -hmm. for a Black student and an international student. Mm -hmm. So I was the very first person to get it. Me and a lady named Christine, who's in Finland. Um, she's my friend. We're friends from across the pond. And that's, that's how I got here. So I did the program and I was like, yeah. And then when I had my own home birth experience with my second baby, 
I knew it was like it's a drug. It you is. become addicted to the home birth. You know, I'm like, this is why people who are home birthers, they got like seven, eight, nine kids. And you're like, why do they keep having babies? That just seems like a crazy idea. But it's because they need the high, you know. Um, and I was so immersed into birth work. I was so invigorated and fueled up by the fact that there was no black CPM here. What options do we have? We don't have to talk about the importance of having a black provider. You know, we all know about that, but I'm like, somebody has to do it. And I am going to be that person. And I was there like, was I'm no black midwives. In there, there are black nurse midwives here in New Orleans. There are black nurse midwives. They all work in hospitals because nurse midwives cannot work outside of the hospitals. But there are That's no in Louisiana. They that are is not. A, yes, that is a crazy law. Oh, that is. I'm law. so yeah. terrified. It's on my list to ask you about, like the community. Oh yeah, right? please. But yeah. um, I that mean, definitely is a law, and there there are no from where I am. Um, to the nearest CPM is West Baton Rouge, which is Miss Charlotte out there. And Miss Charlotte has a student, Divine. And then Shatamia, who's like in Lafayette. They're the closest Black CPMs. If you live in New Orleans, they're not driving two and a half, three hours to have a baby with a Black provider. You're not. There are no Black CPMs here in New Orleans. Once I get my CPM credential, I'm going to be and other people listening are probably like, same, 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 oh, you know, like in, it's everywhere. <laughs> and yeah. it's so incredibly shocking, um, yeah. especially in the South where, yeah. <laughs> let's face it, midwifery originated, right? Like we're talking about Black midwives owning yes. midwifery. Yes, yeah. And now completely eradicated yeah. And the highest mortality rates for mothers. Yes. Then you throw that caveat in there and it becomes a whole thing. It's um, what I very quickly learned was it never dawned on me. Like when I first started this process that this was going to turn into some revolutionary thing. And I would get at least four phone calls in a week because everybody is looking for the black yes. midwife that does not exist. Mm -hmm. My preceptor will be Ooh, like, you got another call. You know, um, I very quickly learned that I was a part of this very strange club. You know, um, I just saw someone, I think her name is Star August Ali on Facebook, at least. She's the first Black midwife of her state. The first Black CPM of her state, not of her city, of her state. She's only a few years older than me. That was absolutely, I can't remember what state it was, but that was absolutely insane. And I was like, wow, I don't want to be a part of this club. This mm -hmm. is not the club that I but want But you have to, to start the club and you have to Somebody grow the Somebody has club. to start it. Absolutely. I'm sorry that that weight is on you. I mean, oh, I think- It's a whole thing. I think that for it's our listeners, this is like, it's a really um, tactile, um, obvious- situation when we talk because like we everyone knows that we have a one to two percent home birth mm -hmm. rate and then a two percent of the home birth midwives are black right mm -hmm. so when you do that math it's a very small number very but it doesn't small. really register until someone says yeah there's one black midwife in the entire state yeah or city even yeah or 
region, right? Like, yeah, that is how a region. Can, North Shore, South Shore, that's serve, a region. How can I serve a three-hour region? So everybody that calls me that says, I want to be a midwife, I'm like, yes, great. Let me tell you what you need to do and where you need to go and yes. where you put your pen to your paper and this is what you do. Like, I, I tell people all the time, I don't want to be the only one. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mm-hmm. that limits options for so many people. I can't take everybody, you know. Um, and then like now people are wanting a black birth team. You can't oh, yeah. get it. You can't get it. It's um, I mean, sure, you can get it. But what does that look like? Well, and you that know? is kind of <laughs> there's not even traditional midwives. There. No, um, the underground railroad lives and I won't talk about it on this podcast. I'll say that. So there are like things happening, but not enough to where even that person is just one or two people who are like qualified enough. Right. To actually just decide not to get a license so they can continue serving people the way they would like to actually serve. Absolutely. And one of those people doesn't live here. She lives somewhere else and she visits here. So, you know, so even that, then it's now it's just one person, you know, and then with the state that we live in, that's, that's very much a risk. You know, you're putting yourself at a very large risk you know, to work outside of the system that way, which some people are fine with, right? Because that sends us like full circle back to that thing of this is the South, right? Where Black midwifery was literally birthed, midwifery in general was birthed. And I say all the time, and I will say this to the top of my lungs, it is so crazy to me how we literally talk midwives and now it's being sold back to us and we can't afford it we cannot afford this we cannot afford to um do the pep process we can't afford to do an apprenticeship we can't afford that most black women have degrees already i have a friend who is a phd candidate now she is going back to school to become a midwife how do you afford to now take out loans on top right, of right? Because you've already maxed out all of your Pell grants and all of your exactly. student loan numbers. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and exactly. you're, that's not rare. Almost no. every single Black student midwife that I know has a bachelor's or a master's already. Yes, and absolutely. They're now finding this midwifery path, so they've already yep. maxed out those things. Yeah. And 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 honestly, too, part of the 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 studies are a joke to them too because they're like I, I literally have a master's in psychology yeah. and you want me to write a paper about how to communicate yes. effectively like can you yes move on yes. and teach me the things I need to know you know yes <sighs> yeah it's it's a very um I, I can't use any other word but like weird it's a very weird like place to be it's very strange when I meet other midwives and they don't have degrees I'm probably one of the few that you know right I (laughs) tell people I'm a college dropout by choice and I'm actually kind of glad I did it right yeah I was going to school and I was like oh no because I found this other thing so I really got caught I was two and a half years into school at that point you know so yeah you know a pregnancy scare too far down the road and I probably would have had that degree you know that is absolutely insane. And, and, and like I said, I think it's just a little bit more palpable hearing it 
Yeah. As far as knowing that. And so what, what's up with Louisiana? I've started to do some research, but I don't think our listeners know exactly. So for those listening, we talk with student midwives from all over this country. I have spoken with midwives in California and Oregon and Washington and New York and Virginia and Texas, Florida, all over. And everyone's states have different requirements. Um, there is the, the NARM test that you have to take, which everyone, whether you go to PEP route or the meek route, everyone has to take mm-hmm. that NARM test. But then when you go to practice in your specific state, sometimes there's extra regulations to that you have to jump or hoops to jump through in mm-hmm. order to get licensed. And there's extra regulations that change depending on each state. It's like, wild and even my husband we were talking about this last night he he's just like it's so scary to think that you could literally cross a border and you have to like wait stop and figure out how you want to practice again and something you that's totally legal in one state is illegal in in another state so what's the deal with louisiana louisiana is trash and i hope somebody from the board is listening to me say this. Um, the 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 rumor mill is so here in Louisiana, if you are not having a very straightforward birth, right? Mm-hmm. We cannot attend your birth. We already said no nurse midwives, which is okay. And that rule only applies to like the places with the worst worst outcome. So like here in Alabama, okay, mm-hmm. like and maybe Oklahoma. Yeah, um, there's some states in which it is yeah. much harder to um, get a doctor's oversight for a nurse yep. midwife yes. to do yep. home births. Yeah. And it's mainly because so, the nursing license part restricts. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. So no nurse midwives can practice at home. We we don't have physician oversight, which okay, that seems like a monkey wrench thrown in there somewhere. That, I think that's accidental. But um, we also can't get um, a lot of the meds that other states can carry. We can carry Pitocin and oxygen, which isn't a med. You can buy oxygen tank online. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we can carry Pitocin and oxygen, and I want to say methogen, mm-hmm. but I could be wrong on the methogen, actually. Um, but that's it. Like other things, like if our client needed a prescription, um, let's say if they had herpes, right? We can't prescribe them that. We have to send them to an OB. In other states, they can prescribe yeah. those things because they are the care provider. So we cannot do those things, which is very limiting. Um, if you are having a home birth, you're going to go through extra testing. Like at the end, even though you've already been tested for HIV and chlamydia and gonorrhea, they are going to test you again. But specifically, if you're having a home birth, who's going to test you? We are legally required to test you again. We do a blood draw again at 36 weeks. Like by law? Yes. And if you say no, if they say no? Some things they cannot say no to. If they say no, then they can't have the home birth. And is is, is it true that that you have to have a doctor's approval to have a home birth? That is absolutely true. So we tell our clients that you have to go see an OB at least once. And for them to say in your chart, in your file, that you are low risk, like 
Because if not, you cannot have a hummer. And why would any OBs do that? You wouldn't believe, like, when people call me and say, hey, I'm looking for a midwife, blah, 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 right? I say, do not say you're going to have a hummer. Right. Because your blood pressure will spike magically, right? (laughs) Um, You'll develop some weird rash. You'll, like, you know. Um, and some OBs are better than others where, where, where they will say like, well, I don't suggest you have a home birth, but I can't stop you from having one. So that's about the best we can hope for. But some OBs are outright like, no, I know somebody who wanted to have a home birth and she told her doctor that, and the doctor was like, if you do that, I won't sign your FMLA papers. Oh, absolutely. And you guys can't sign FMLA papers as the, um, we can, but that's always a hassle too, because mm-hmm. who are you? You're, you're, not a med- you're not a respected medical provider. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, if you've had a cesarean section, we cannot catch your baby at home. A even if the doctor sign up? Even if the doctor sign off on it, they won't sign off on a VBAC. You're not low risk at that point. Even if it's been 10 years, they will not sign off. What if on you've it. already had, what if you, what if, what if this is your second They won't second sign off. VBAC? No, no. No, you're trying to put stipulations on it. If the answer is no, I've already said that. The rumor mill is a few years ago, you could have your baby at home if you've had a VBAC, right? But so many people, but so the process was you would come to the midwife, you would say you want to have your baby at home. They would say, great, we need to fill out this paper and send it to the state. Okay. The state would say, yes, this person is low risk. We would have to send it to the board. Okay, the board would send it back and say, yes, this person is low risk. But as the rumor has it, this is a rumor. This is a legend. I wasn't there. I don't know. Okay, Um, that's my caveat. But the board started sending the paperwork back later and later and later, because who cares about what the midwives are doing? Right. So the midwives are just catching these VBAC babies at home without the paperwork. Without the paperwork, even though they sent it in, they never got the thing back or they would get it back after the person had their baby, right? So of course they weren't gonna hold up the process because you can't get your paperwork in on time. So once the law caught up to all of that or the board caught up to that, a law was then put in place that we can no longer do VBACs. That is the rumor of why home birth midwives cannot do VBACs. Not because there was some risk involved, not because, you know, of some other thing that happened, but just because it was a paperwork issue. That's what the rumor is. I'm not kidding. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> other people may not recognize this, but it is like, it sounds like birth is just incredibly steeped in racism and patriarchy in Louisiana. The patriarchy runs so deep here. Oh my goodness. Just the trigger ban on abortions that happened. Right. Whew. Oh my God. Oh. I don't get, I don't get why it's so different in every state. Okay. So right now I'm in Kentucky okay. and Kentucky just, just a similar political mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For drift. sure. But the autonomy for midwifery is like gold. I mean, like V-backs, breaches, twins, you know, GDM, 47 weeks, 36 weeks. Like, 
No. And all the meds. No. Right. No. And so I'm if just kind you, of like, if you have not went into labor by 42 weeks, literally, it could be 42 weeks on the day. And if you go into labor that day, it is illegal for us to stay at home with you. You have to be in labor by yeah. 42 weeks. Literally, so it's, a, it's a hard stop. Who fucked it up for everyone? I'm not like, sure. Who was it? Like, who wrote this bill? Who wrote this law? Or who messed up and made I this really happen? think it became a hospital insurance thing, right? Because they, I don't know if you've seen the numbers, but Louisiana is very cut happy. We're happy to cut you open here, mm -hmm. okay? We do it with pleasure. Well, if we, just, if we just take Black women out of the statistics, we have better words. <laughs> Oh, and then there's that. Okay. So even if you take black women out of it, okay, we're still happy to cut you. Okay. That was such a, oh, don't get me started on that. I don't know. get me started I on know. that. Sorry. Um, but yeah, we're very happy to cut you here. So, you know, like that's a whole thing within itself. But once people realize that they can now have their baby at home, I think the V-backs were leaving. Because mm -hmm. we are a place that we believe once a C-section, always a C-section, right? So they were cutting people their very first time, knowing that you're still going to have three, four, five babies because we're very religious and God says have all the babies, mm -hmm. okay? So you're going to be back for all four of your kids and I'm going to give you a C-section for all of them. But they started to go home. Who's and that it? became an issue. It's not me. That's not my fight today. Yeah. Um, I don't. You know what? That's a really good question. There are some midwives. I want to say. I want to say they're in Shreveport, but I could be wrong. They're trying to push back on legis legislation, but I don't know. It's such a weird place for me because I'm like, I just need to get the letters so I can at least serve the people right. who want to be served and can be served. And can be served, yeah. And yeah. it's so crazy because you know where I am geographically. If I go 20 minutes to the right, we're in Mississippi and they don't get, they don't care. Just it, as terrible rates, like, by the way, but. They, they absolutely do. Their law is literally like, are you a girl and you wanna be a midwife? Okay, check, check. Everything else we don't care about. You a CPM, don't care. You a traditional midwife, don't care. She has six C-sections. Don't care about that either. They, It's literally no loss. It's people who go over there and yeah. like they'll stay and have their babies. Do people ever, yeah, I'm assuming like what about like the border of Texas and things like that? Because Texas has amazing laws too. So if yes, you got I'm like sure a twin people... mom and care, you just like, listen, yeah. we're going to pop over the border and have a baby in an Airbnb and then pop home. Yeah, I'm, I am almost sure people go over to Texas because right we're right on the border. People go over to Mississippi. Yeah. I know that they do. You know, but I would. like you said, that's just not your fight right now. Your fight is no. like, get me, um, let me be a midwife. Let me serve the five, six, seven, eight yeah. black women that are calling me every single yeah. week because I'm the only black woman. Yeah. And I am going to serve who I can serve right now at the best capacity, yeah. become a preceptor, train more black yeah. midwives. Yes. Like, and That's, you know what? That's yeah. my plan. I want to do this, become a preceptor. And then once I've trained two other midwives, then I want to be the one on the front line. And right mm -hmm. now I tell people I'm really a spitfire and I am not refined enough to go talk to the state anyway. Right. 
So I'm like, maybe in my forties, I'll be a little more polished, mm -hmm. but right now mm -hmm. I cuss a lot and I'm probably not the best representation for at least V-backs, right? At the very least. Just get your V, just yeah. get V-backs. Yeah. yeah. But it, but also you'd be able to go with some statistics. You'd be able yeah. to go with some homework sure. study that and, protocol and, and all in the experience. Yeah. And that's going to change sure. instead of coming in and just being like, Hey, I think this is wrong. And hey, yeah. here's my theory, <laughs> you know? And I get yeah. these calls all the time and I have to turn them away. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. When you were thinking about going to midwifery schools and how to do it, you did indie birth. Yes. Why? Like what made you go choose indie birth over a meek school or ancient, you know, what, why? Why One, I can't, I can't afford a meek school. I told you I was two and a half years into college. Mm -hmm. Um, that, and I already had like a little baby. So I couldn't like fly back and forth to do the mm -hmm. on campus learning. And I got, and it's pregnant. not required. Louisiana um, doesn't and, require meek. No, Louisiana does not require meek. I know somebody who didn't go to school at all. They did an apprenticeship and they learned on the job. Mm -hmm. Um, so Louisiana doesn't, that's one good thing about Louisiana. They don't require some specialty schooling. Right. Um, and I wanted to learn from people who did not have like a very clinical mindset, right? Because in my head, I am going to be the wise woman in the other room, right? Mm -hmm. When I get 80, that's what I want to do. I just want right. to show up. Right, because you know, to be sustainable, you can't be checking yes. the cervix every five seconds and yes. trying to stretch yes. and Yes, <laughs> so I wanted to learn a very um, left field model, things that were outside of the norm, what I would mm -hmm. learn doing, you know, a meek accredited school. Um, and I was a biology major, you know, like right. I'm very familiar with body parts and pelvises and all of those things already. So I needed some of the other stuff. I, I wanted the... What do they call it? They have a word for it in indie birth, but I, those are the things that I wanted. I wanted the out of the norm, out of the realm teachings, because in my head, that's what kind of midwife I am. You know, it's a very like just learning yes, the physiological yes, process and how to support yes. normal physiological birth. normal birth. Yeah. And, and how to be hands off. You know, um, my preceptor always says like, we went to a birth together and she was like, you didn't touch anything. And she was like, I, it's very rare where I don't see a midwife that doesn't touch anything. This was probably the very first birth that we did, maybe the second one. And she's like, and she was like, I trusted you. She's like, I'm definitely more hands-on. She was like, but I trusted you. And I knew that you were what I knew that you knew what you were doing, but right. that's my jam, right? Yeah. I don't like to touch anything. I don't even like to catch the baby. And people are always like, well, what do you do? I'm like, nothing if it's a good day. Right. You know? I I'm protect like, it. That's all I can yes. do. I'm like, protect, I am birth. here to sing and play the drums in my head and complain about the water in the tub. <laughs> that is my ultimate job. You know, um, I don't, I said, if, if I'm touching something, then, you know, we've moved to a different level. I like to be very hands off. I listen mm -hmm. to heart tones and things like that, mostly because the state tells me I have to. Mm -hmm. But if if I didn't, if it wasn't a requirement, I probably wouldn't. 
um, unless you really wanted me to, or unless that, you know, that midwifery intuition that you have said, yeah. we need to listen. Just check on this. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't listen every 30 minutes or every five minutes at, you know, or every down to every two minutes. I probably wouldn't do that. Um, but I, w- I really wanted to learn like the crunchy birthy things because in an apprenticeship, I'm going to learn how to draw blood. You know, I'm right. going to learn you know, how to disimpact some shoulders or whatever. But I wanted to be in a space where I could be validated in my teachings of this really is a spiritual experience. This really is a magical experience. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we just do need to sit and witness and honor the space. We don't have to touch everything. It actually bothers me so much when I see those videos online. And I'm like, why are you touching it? Oh my God, you don't have to <laughs> or, do that. Or it doesn't even have to be physical. It's what about what we say? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you ever have a chance, and maybe you have, and because it sounds like you've moved into that next phase of, of being a midwife, but yeah. um, it was for me, it was someone like took a video of me at a, at, at a birth. And I just wanted to vomit the whole time because oh. I'm like, good job. That's <laughs> it. Key. And I'm like, why am I talking? Why am I talking? No. Okay. I have the very opposite of that. Sometimes people have to say like, are you there? Can you say something? And I have to say, what do you want me to say? You're doing great. Because I, I'm, I, is... I, don't, I don't know what you want me to say. There's nothing... <laughs> No, there is nothing worse than some stupid ass midwife talking over you in your spiritual moment. There is nothing worse. You got it. You got it. You can do it. To me, it's because it makes it push. Well, it's because it makes it obvious that this midwife like thinks this birth is like about her. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that is, that is not my jam at all. I love, I'm, when I'm there and they're doing their thing, I'm like, hey, dad, can you come here for a second? Like, mm-hmm. this is your baby. I know we talked about this, but we're talking about it again. And you need to be ready to catch the baby. Are you going to yep. faint? No? Yep. Great. <laughs> this is your thing. Here's what I'm going to be doing. Listen to the heart tones and don't touch anything. I'll tell you, you know, when yeah. the baby pops yeah. out, I'll say, but you know, they get She's nervous. She's going to bring the baby to you. Don't do pull it. the baby out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, don't do any of that. The baby's going to come out. I promise. And you just be ready. I don't, I really don't like to do any of that. Um, the placenta, somebody said, you're the most patient placenta watcher <laughs> because I'm always just like, it's okay. Would you, and people are like, you know, get it out of me at that point. I'm like, do you want me to feel for it? I can feel for it. I can mm-hmm. like, you know, See do the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, sure. But it's 45 minutes later. And I'm like, maybe we should do something now because the state would like for it to be out in 15 I was minutes. just gonna say is there a law yeah there is 15 <laughs> minutes oh an hour okay, um, okay. And, yeah yeah they like for it to be out um by a certain time I want to say it's an hour but they yeah. do like for it to be out by a certain time mm-hmm. but that's one I'm always gonna be like mm, okay because I don't know I really do trust the pro- trust the process until I need to intervene you know I really am like sitting in the corner. I tell people that I love to sit in the corner and do nothing. Mm-hmm. That's what I like to and get, get paid, paid to, to do. do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Get paid. <laughs> Have, tell like, me, if you're paying like, me to work, that's that's not a good day for me. 
how often do you have to intervene when you have when your clients know that this is your approach does that make sense like you are going to attract the people who get what you are if there is a substantial bleed i'm i'm gonna give you the pit um and people are always like i like the herbs and i'm like yes that's great i do too but if Mm -hmm. you're bleeding I'm going to give you the pit. I said, because I'd rather you be mad at me that I saved your life than you'd be mad at me that I let you bleed out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if there is any issue with the baby, I tell people, I'm probably more apt to transfer you if there's anything wrong with the baby, right? If the baby mm-hmm. sneezes too hard, I'm like, ah, don't like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, just because, you know, the thing with the baby can be so fickle when they're first born. So that, that always has me on edge a little bit. Um, something else I transfer for or that I intervene for. I feel like when a mama, I just recently had this. She was pushing for a while and she was just like, I just can't do it. I just don't know what to do. And I'm like, get out of your head. You do know what to do. And get out of your own way. Yeah. Yeah. A- anybody who I've worked with, I'm always like, look, I'm a very straightforward person and in birth, I'm going to be quiet until you need me to say something. And when when you need me to say something, then I'm going to say a lot, you know? Um, And my last, one of my last clients I had a few months ago, she, she was like, I just, I can't do it. And I'm like, no, you can't. You'll come get her. And then she's like, well, what do I do? I'm like, I can put my hand here for support. And I'm like, push against my hand, right. you know? Right. So she did that. And one of the people who was there was like, this is the most hands-on I've ever seen you. I've never seen you touch anything that much. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? She said she couldn't do it, you know? She needs um, something here. She yeah. she needed something, yeah. yeah. Um, A few births before that, maybe two or three births before that, I had somebody who's just like, I'm tired. Like, I really need to sleep. I need a nap. I'm like, girl, I'm gonna have to give you a a bag of fluids. I say, you really need a bag of fluids. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that'll help you. Um, She had been ruptured for a while. So we talked about the antibiotics. I'm like, God, this is really looking like a transfer. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'm gonna pull out all the stops. So when it's looking like it's like slow rolling into a transfer, I'm gonna do all the things so you can have you know that home birth because people really want it and it sucks to transfer I know you know so Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. gave her the the bag of fluids and she took a nap I put an IV in I hadn't slept all night I put the IV in at like 4 a.m and she's like knocked out and then she woke up and she said I need to poop do no she (laughs) said do we have any drugs you can give me I said yes we do And she said, okay, great. I said, get up and pack your bag. We're going to the hospital. And she's like, what do you mean? I said, you asked for drugs. That's the only place they offer them. And she said, oh no, I'm ready now. 10 minutes later, she had a baby. What? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She literally woke up and was like, is there something you can give me? Said, yeah, let's go. And and then she was like, but just that, just that thought was enough adrenaline for her body to be like, vomit the baby out because I am done. Yeah. Yeah. I've done, I've done the same thing with like, um, the catheter. I'm like, you have to pee. 
Yep. Or I'm going to give just you a cat. The and they're like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I have so much pee in my bladder. I was just joking. Just it's joking. Like that urethra has a mind of its own. And <laughs> it overhears this catheter. And it's like, nope, I can open. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm good. Yeah. I'm like, I, I will do it. I've actually never placed a catheter. I've seen it done, but I've never placed one. But I always threaten people like, if you do not pee, I am, especially when it's 2 a.m. and I've been here all night. I will put a catheter in you if you don't pee. Like, so it's the I feel one like that thing is I my need way to of do before I go home. It's yes, I thing. really need you to pee. I really need you to do that, okay? And that is not even because of the state. That is because I need you to pee. Right. I need you to. Right. So yeah. I that's my way of intervention too. Like sometimes I have to threaten people and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times my clients are too. And they're like, afterwards, they're like, I really needed that pep talk. And I'm like, Okay, if that's what we're considering a pep talk these days, sure, you know. I threatened you to leave and all right, well, but yeah. again, you're gonna you're going to attract that person, right? Absolutely. Speaking of, like who are your who's your people? Who are the people that you're serving? Oh god. Um honestly, if I never have to see a pink butt, it, I would be fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um but also, whatever, let's do it. Um, I don't know who my ideal client is. My ideal client is somebody who can pay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I am on a whole tangent of that's my new rant. Um, my ideal client is somebody who is not married to the tub. Mm-hmm. I don't love the idea of a water birth. If you talk to me for five minutes, you know that I am not a huge fan of the tub. Why? Um, you have I'm trouble? five feet tall. <laughs> I'm five feet tall. Most of my clients are way tall. They're just bigger people. I'm a, I am five feet tall and 98 pounds. I so look like a fifth grade. Hang over the tub if you need yes. to. Yeah. Yes. There has been a time where I was like, hold my feet, hold my feet, hold my feet, because I was going in. But what am I supposed to do? The baby's coming out. There was another time I was literally chest, like my entire chest was covered in shitty water. I was literally chest deep and I don't wear a bra to burst because I can't think. Okay. So I'm chest deep in the water. My tits are like soaked in shit water. And I'm just like, oh my God. And then the baby comes out and I'm like, can somebody grab the baby? And she's just like, no, nobody move. Nobody move. And I'm like, oh my God, we really have to pull the baby up at any moment. So I'm telling the dad, I'm like, could you please grab the baby? I'm pushing the baby forward, grab the baby. Yeah. So he grabs the baby. She grabs onto my head and I'm literally stuck like in a mama (laughs) cocoon, right? She has the baby on one side and me on the other. And she's like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Shay. And I'm like, that is a weird placement, but okay. And she's like, let's say a prayer. So here I am caught in the shit water and a prayer. And I'm like, amen. The baby's out and crying and the on her chest. The baby's out crying. Everything is fine. And I'm caught between the mama and, and Jesus. Which and I after that, you were just like, no water. I literally looked at my preceptor and said, I need to shower right now. I did not take a vital. I did not check anything. Anybody else can do this part. That is not me. I have never used a shower at a client's house until that day. Except for that time. Yeah. Yes. And I just so happened to have clothes in the car. I was like, how did I end up in this situation? There are clothes that fit me in my car. I have an extra pair of scrubs, extra pair of socks. Like I have the whole shebang in my car. I was, and I'm, I'm just like, no. 
I don't like the tub. I'm a small person. I the fall in. The people who can pay. The people who can pay. Want, like, I want my water bag. Yes, right? not, not those, those people. I will put up with the tub, but I really don't like it. And um, people who are also like me, who believe that, yeah. you know, birth is very much a spiritual process that, you know, it's spiritual until it's not, right? I don't, I really don't want the people who are like, this is completely a, you know, astronomical thing. And, you know, I never need to check my blood pressure or listen to the baby. I don't want those people. Those people kind of freak me out. Um, even as a free birther, those people still kind of freak me out because I was still like, no, somebody needs to listen to this baby. Um, mm -hmm. Go get my Doppler. I'll listen. With my last baby, I was like, this baby's not breathing. Somebody go get the bag, right? <laughs> I was wrong. The baby was breathing. She just didn't say anything. But I'm, you know, I'm not opposed to intervention when it's needed. So I would love people who aren't you know, opposed are like, to that too. Yeah, when it's yeah. time, then we do need to do the things. Um, I would like my clients to be. I want. You know what? I I haven't had like um a queer couple yet. I would love to serve a queer couple. Um. I, that sounds weird saying it like that. That sounds like I'm trying to diversify yeah. my portfolio. Yeah. But that's I know. Well, I'm that's something you're not. I understand your statement. Yes. And I was going to push back on it. Right. Like yes, we can't yes. like learn on black bodies and like yes. learn on yeah. queer bodies. For and right. Sure. Like that's a total thing. And yet what you're really trying to say is that you want to be the safe, culturally competent provider. Yes. That is what I'm Absolutely. I, I want to, I want to serve everybody who's comfortable with me serving them. You know, I want people to have that option and right. living in a state like Louisiana, you, it is very possible that you walk up on somebody and they totally. are not a safe provider for you, whether they are a home birth midwife or not. Mm -hmm. So I want, um, queer folks, BIPOC folks, all types of people just to have an option of, um, all of those things that everybody, I feel like I'm the midwife that I'll try anything once and I'll may even dabble a little bit twice, you know? Um, so I'm open to, to really being of service to people. Um, and being of service is really what I see my job as, as what my role, like, how mm -hmm. can I be of service to you and your family opposed to being your midwife? Right. right. Um, I want to be a service provider. This is a mm. service that I'm offering um, to you, right? And really, it's a service that you're offering to me. One of my big things that every single birth I've ever been to, doula clients, accidental births I've walked in on, whatever, um, I'm still looking for the person on the side of the road, too. Um, like, I always tell them, thank you for allowing me to be here. Thank you for being of service to you and your family. Thank you for um, letting me entertain this space with you. Um, you know, it. I don't take it lightly at all. I take my job very seriously. And I do not take it lightly of where I am and how I am um, interacting in that space. You know, how I'm talking to people, how I'm addressing people, making sure I'm talking to literally everybody in the room when the moment calls for it. Um, yeah, it's not it something I take lightly at all like you've really found an intentional space with how you practice. Yeah. Is that something that you learned from preceptors? Is that something that you just like 
worked hard. Like I was talking to a student today. I was like, it's heart work. It's spirit work. It's head work. It's ego work. It is so much more than learning how to catch babies. It's like so much bigger than that. And not everyone can get there. Um, I don't think that's something I learned from precepting. Um, I think that's something that just kind of developed within myself because I'm big on treating people how you want to be treated and having the day you deserve. Right. So if I am a part of your, or of your day and you're having a baby, then I, if I'm deserving of that space, Mm. then I should like put myself on the back burner Mm -hmm. and let you be the spotlight, honor you because Mm -hmm. I am deserving of your space and you have allowed me to be here. And honestly, that comes from me having my own babies, right? Mm -hmm. You should be honored that you are here to see the birth of the pound's children, okay? That should be an honor to you. Please throw flowers at my feet. I'm not walking anywhere, (laughs) but still, you know? Get your cypress oil out, massage me. Yes, do the things, you know? So that's how I treat other people because that's how I want to be treated. Like you should, I tell my husband all the time, you should be honored that I let you feel my womb with baby. Mm. <laughs> I love that. You should be honored. You should re- reverence in this, okay? And that's how I treat other people. I am in all of you. I'm so, you know, I'm I'm I literally say that I'm honored to be here with you and your family today. I talk to the other children. I, you know, I only meet a stranger one time. After that, we're family, you know, mm. um, I talk to everybody. All of these people are, they're my cousins and my nieces and my nephews, you know, I'm T.D. Shea. Um, <laughs> so I really am. I think that's just something I developed along the way. Yeah. So when you told me your story about how you found your preceptors, a lot of it just sounded like someone said, call this person. And she was like, hell yes. And then they said, call this person. And it was like, for sure. Tell me more, you know? Did you have any bumps along the way? Finding preceptors no. with preceptors? No. 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 You, you know that's like <laughs> a golden thing. Right? I No, no, no. I very much, I say all the time, um, especially on my social media, I tell people this isn't, this isn't a normal trajectory, right. right? I say I am supposed to be here. Once I found midwifery, once I found the calling of birth, it was smooth. Um, it was easy. Yeah. It was like what, fell what in I your lapish. Um, I've I am ancestral of Black Mississippi midwives, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense because I'm supposed to be here. I'm not here on accident. That's a joke, but I am supposed to be here, and because I'm supposed to be doing this work, my ancestors have quite literally cleared a pathway for me to walk it with ease, right? Yeah. And when I decide I'm gonna quit, or if I'm like, I'm not going to birth for a month, I'm like bopped on the head and they're like, no, you are supposed to be here. This is your divine path. You take a break, but you get your ass back over here. Okay, we're yeah. going to a birth tomorrow. Um, or I get a call that I'm like, I can't turn this person down. Like, or, you know, like, oh, I've fallen in love with this person. Okay, I'm just joking. Um, so it really has been divine from the scholarship, the the way I even came into birth work. I had no idea what a doula right. was. Right. Um, the way I came into this, the scholarship, I had somebody pay for my books. 
There was a random person I've never met. I have no idea who she is. She said, I didn't get the scholarship, so I want to pay for your books for school. And I was like, shouldn't you be using that for your tuition? That was the strangest thing she did. She paid for my <laughs> she paid for my books for the first and second semester. And she's like, I should have had a scholarship. I didn't ask about a scholarship. Yeah. And so you're badass and I want to support you. And yes. here's your books. I yeah. have no idea who that person is. I could not tell you her name. And she sent me the money. So hmm. like not she bought the books and sent them to my house. She sent me the money and she just trusted that I was that going to buy the books. books. Yeah. yeah. And I did buy the books because I couldn't afford them. I needed the scholarship, yeah. you know, and then finding my preceptor. I literally walked in and I'm like, OK, in six months, I'll wear her down because I'm going to call her ass once a week. You uh, know, I got and my game. She immediately on. was just and like, she's yes. like, oh, yeah. Can you be here July 5th? And I was like um I was supposed to go out of town but sure I'll cancel it I wasn't <laughs> like I wasn't expecting you know like can you be here July 5th um sure it's June 23rd like this is no mm -hmm. heads up this is not what mm -hmm. I was expecting so even down to that down to getting catches COVID threw a mon monkey wrench in things but Ooh, even then right. I felt like oh god the COVID um, but COVID kind of slowed me down in the way that I was able to um, kind of make a very smooth transition from being a doula to being a midwife, right? Because I feel like there is a, a shedding of the skin, right, that you kind of have to do. And I really had to make a hard decision of I can't take any more doula clients. Going to the hospital, I absolutely hate it. I will be your doula, but it is a pretty penny, okay? And I expect mm -hmm. all my money up front mm -hmm. because going to the hospital is, you can't have two providers in the same room, right? And the care that I provide is way different than the care that they provide. You might not even see that person until you have your baby. So it gave me a, a way to make a very smooth tr a transition because now we're virtual doulas anyway. So I'm not even at the hospital. So I got to like step my way back. And even the, even that, like looking back on it was really good and beneficial to me. And I got to really come into my own being a midwife. So it's been a very smooth transition and everybody cannot say that. My preceptor isn't like holding my paperwork hostage. I'm not going right. to sign this for you or. Right. You any... hear these horror stories. Oh, right? yes. Like... Yes. No, that hasn't, that has not been the case at all. You yeah. know, even for somebody to find two, pre now you need for NARM, you need two preceptors. Mm -hmm. So even to find two preceptors, mm -hmm. that was not a hard thing to do. You right. know, and my, <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's been a very smooth journey. And, yeah. and like also talking about something that's just literally one of the saddest and hardest things that I learned through my, my journey, but I'm in an area where we have traveling students that come up here because they are black students in a place with no safe preceptors. Mm. And that for me was like, again, more just like tactile physically yeah. Yeah. in my world now, if yeah. you want to say that, but someone, yeah, they're like, oh no, yeah, no. If I just show up, a, I, I could get a shotgun in my face because yeah. I, I live in a space where racism is, pre is prevalent and my yeah. preceptor won't fight for me. And she and the, and they are not really safe providers yeah. for black yeah. women so much why would they be safe for preceptors right yeah for and sure. so you know you were able to 
I don't want to say skate that bullet, but that's in a, that's in a way, no, because it, we're in New Orleans. So when we're in New Orleans, it's fine. When we travel outside of New Orleans, I'm always like, I'm going to ride with you to the home birth. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to the home mm-hmm. birth, to the home visit. I'm going to ride yeah. with you. Or even if it's a birth, sometimes I've ridden with my preceptor or I tell her, you go first and let me know that you are there. So then I can come yeah. because I'm afraid to get out of my car at some places. I mean, in the backwoods of Louisiana, it's mm-hmm. that's probably right to have. But I've never had any run-ins. Oddly enough, in the city... I went outside to like get something. This is when I was still assisting. And I saw a white lady like out of her blind. She saw me. I saw her. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> and she like hit her car alarm. She's like, beep, beep on the car. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm not breaking into this car. <laughs> like, I am not stealing this car. Somebody's having a baby over there. and She needs an oxygen I am tank. a medical provider. Yeah. Supporting a birth. Yeah. But that's, that's literally been the only run-in I've had. Um. Yeah, but, and I think that's something that my preceptors have been very aware of. Like, mm-hmm. you're the only Black person and we're going into mm-hmm. God knows where, Louisiana, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so. But you have safe providers. You have safe, yes, aware absolutely. providers. Absolutely, absolutely sure. 1,000%. That, has, that hasn't been an issue with me, um, thankfully, prayerfully. But again, that just goes to like this very smooth pathway where other people cannot say the same, not even a little bit. Mm-hmm. yeah how long did midwifery school take you um midwifery school took me two years and I overlapped it so the second year of school and the first year of my apprenticeship they overlapped right yeah and then how many years in apprenticeship um I think this has been how old is my son um two and a half years okay two and a half years because my son is three and a half or maybe three years because my son was about six months when I started my apprenticeship because he came with me of course um so like four years total yeah I think so yeah yeah that sounds about that's a pretty average amount of time I say that because some people literally you know expect to finish school in two years and school no. and precepting, you know, in no. two years and, no. or they're, they're afraid it's going to take seven, you know? And yeah. I think that, um, it's important to talk about the realistic time frame of, but you took a nursing baby with you to births. Yeah. Oh, two of them, two, two babies. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've had three kids <laughs> during this whole time. I've, I've, my first baby was very little when I decided to step up and answer the call. She was maybe six months. Um, and then I started school, got pregnant. And I was like, okay, I'm pregnant. I what I remember like my baby being one and telling my husband, like, if we're going to try again, we need to do it right now. Right. Because he'll be old enough to like go to a sitter to where I feel comfortable when I get to the point of going to birth. Like he'll be old enough. And my husband was like, we're not having a baby right now. I'm like, bump that, give it up, brother. <laughs> so we did have the baby. Um, yes. And then COVID happened. Like he was like one or maybe like 18 months or somewhere in there, somewhere between 12 and 18 months. And COVID happened and that kind of slowed things down a bit. And, and then we had a pandemic baby. Mm-hmm. So then that slowed things down a lot because now I'm like nine months pregnant. I was, I probably stopped going to birth when I was seven and a half, eight months pregnant. Um, so I was big pregnant at birth. 
Yeah. But do you, I mean, you don't regret the family situation, your, your family growth and midwifery school. I mean, how does that looking back on it, would you recommend other students? No. Oh, do, God, don't, no. What? that was a crazy thing. To do. <laughs> um, looking back, I'm like, how did I do that? Like, I feel like this time frame right now where things are really slow for me as it pertains to birth is a postpartum period I was looking for Mm. Um, because I did not get that after I had my baby I remember she was eight weeks old and I was back at birth I was back at birth because I'm on the grind I am in my primary phase I don't have time for this I have to finish so I probably could have done without the third baby you know um (laughs) yeah like that probably could have you know spaced that out a little better but it was um yeah I 10 out of 10 do not recommend that and mostly because I have a really good support system and that is not the case for everybody Mm -mm. my husband is a teacher so he's off on the weekends um he's home at night holidays you know he's home at night right the only weird time for me is this weird time of like if you Getting have your baby in the morning or something and mm-hmm. six. Yeah. yeah. So that's a weird time frame. But even then I would drop them off at like other clients house, like clients who had baby would be like, if you need me to keep your baby, drop your baby off here. That's you know? a community. Damn. People have nursed my baby. People have, you know, so it, it's been really good. Um, but I don't recommend having a baby and doing an apprenticeship at the same time. And again, my preceptor was like, oh, you need to bring your baby? Okay, fine. Again, that is not yeah. every preceptor, right? No, not at all. And and so do you have any advice for people looking for a preceptor? I mean, I know your journey to find one was easy, but if you if you had to have done it difficult, right? If you had had to like interview a bunch of preceptors and like make sure they not- were safe and they, you know, what would what what would that look like for you again? God, I, because now I am experiencing this, mm-hmm. my do not email random strangers on the internet. I have gotten so many emails from like random people. I have no idea who you are. Um, and that is weird to me. That's weird to me because I feel like if I meet you in person and we have a connection and then like you say, I'm actually interested, I'm going to be the person that says, mm-hmm. we should go and get coffee or we should mm-hmm. sit down and talk or, but to email me, I literally got an email that said, hi, I'm a student in X place and I need a preceptor. So I'm asking you, but you need to have liability insurance of a million dollars for me to come. And I was like, what is, I don't even know you. I have no idea who you are. This is a very random thing to say. And I guess if you do. It sounds like they're having a hard time finding a preceptor because no preceptor has liability insurance. A million million dollars? Yeah. I was like, okay, okay, sure. It's like Um, $2,500 a month. And and the school is requiring this, but that's also another barrier, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then people are like holding out hope for a black preceptor and I'm just like go somewhere where you can learn even if it's not with a black preceptor because the culture lives within us right and that's what people are yearning to be in a culturally competent space but the culture lives within us black people are amazing and awesome you know on our own we don't need someone to teach us how to be culturally sound 
with our clients. Our we don't own, need your that. own people. Yeah, we, totally. Yes, exactly. We don't need that. We need somebody to teach us how to disimpact the shoulders, right? That's what we need people to teach us. So go where you can to learn what you need to know. And if that place does not serve you, be ready and willing to move on. Mm -hmm. um, because we are not here for a long time. We're here for a good time, right? <laughs> we are here to get what we need to know and move on. So be thinking about that. Always be thinking about if this goes south, then where, you know, how do I pivot? Always yeah. be really willing and ready to pivot and get your signatures up front. I don't care what the paperwork says. You get your signatures as you need your signatures. And if they are withholding that signature, that is a red flag. Please be aware of the red flags. If you have been with your preceptor and you are the assistant at birth and not at, as a paid assistant and not the student assistant, that is a red flag. Stop taking the money and tell her you want to be the student who gets the number, right? If Why can't we have, have both? Been... Why can't we be paid student oh, midwives that get the money and get the signatures? That is another hour-long conversation. <sighs> I know, I know. There's there's a lot. And and I, I've said this tons of times in these podcasts with other students. I don't know if you feel this, but this, this generation, us, yep. we're going to be different. Yep. We are going to be different for our students. We're going to be different yes. for our families. We're going to be different for midwifery laws, right? When we're 40 yes. and we're tired yep. and we're ready. Yep. There is, there is a new wave. And I hate that our preceptors maybe had to fight a different fight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but we are going to watch out for students. We're going to create yep. safe, yeah. safe spaces. Have you, have you heard that saying of um, in midwifery, we eat our young? Yep. Yep. why is that when I saw that I was like who, mm -hmm. what are we mm -hmm. we're women what type of unfortunately most we? of us are women and um my husband's a nurse and he's like I he's like I don't get it but in the hospital these nurses are backstabbing Oh, very young. And he's like, and it seems like it's the women led fields. And so I don't know where that went wrong because you would think historically we would band together as women yes. in our tribes and in our spaces, we would band together and we would weave together and nurse each other's babies and get the things we needed. And now it's a threat because in my opinion, we have adopted the patriarchal threat image, right? Absolutely. The invisible threat that possibly doesn't even exist in most places. <laughs> and I'm just like, I do not want... Say hi. Hi. Hi, gorgeous. <laughs> okay, go. I, this is my oldest. She's five. Um, she comes to prenatals with me sometimes and now she can take your heart tones and we're learning how to check blood pressure. So we are doing here. the things, okay? It is and no one. And, and what your mom and I are trying to work at doing is making sure that there is no woman that will not support you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't know. I'm like, I don't want to eat my young. I am yearning for somebody else. I, I'm like, what can I do to help you? I am going to randomly call you and text you to make sure you are on top of your game. If you say you want to go be a midwife assistant and you're going to go do the school thing, I'm going to yeah. make sure you went. Did you apply? Right. How are you paying for this? 
I um, needed to take the NRP this summer. Mm-hmm. I called everybody I knew. You going? Black and interested in birth. We are going to the NRP. Yep. This is how much it costs. This is the date. I need to see your asses in the seats. Okay. I'm like, no, I do not want to eat my young. I want, listen, I am the mama cub. Okay. I'm going to protect all the little cublets that come behind me from everybody else who's trying to eat the young. It is is a different generation though. I mean, it it isn't just you. It is 100% this generation of students. I think so. Are experienced. I mean, it is like a just over and over and over and over again. I hear this. I'm going to be different. I am going to be different. I'm going to be different. And so, I don't know, maybe one day I'll interview a midwife and be like, did you ever say that back when you were? Oh, yes. I would love for you to ask somebody. Right. Like, (laughs) did you say you were going to be different to your students? And then you just along the way got angry and mad and bitter. Yeah. You know, I don't know. But so, um, How's your NARM prep going? <laughs> um, what are all of the tips? Oh my God. The tips are. Because by the time we launch this, you might have already <laughs> passed it. And oh my God, that's so crazy to say. Stop saying yeah. that. Oh, um, okay. Okay. Never mind. I have an idea. Um, <laughs> Oh my God. My preceptor is like, I don't know why you're worried about it. I'm like, what do you mean? I have to pass it first. It's so much so that like the kids are like, why'd you put that book up? Right? Where's your book? Whoa. Um, I might be over obsessing about it a little bit. I'm trying not to. I'm reading Hearts and Hands. I have um uh person who's pregnant right now who risks out of care pretty early but I'm invested at this point so I'm learning so much from being their doula midwife okay mm-hmm. I'm learning so much um things about like amniocentesis and crap like that mm-hmm. things that I just I don't know that's beyond midwifery right right so I'm like oh my god I haven't picked up Anne Fry and god knows how long so let while I'm here let me just scour Look at the those pages. tables. Let me find that table. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, you know, it's kind of like where the books are scattered and it doesn't make sense to anybody else. And you got all the sticky notes and the flashcards and the highlighters and the pens and the pencils. And then somebody touches something because they're cleaning up and you're like, why did you touch myself? I was, I, I was on page 1962. Um, I'm, so I'm kind of there. Are you doing any study guides or like online NARM preps? (laughs) This is so funny. Somebody sent me some study guides. I think they sent me four. I took the first one and I failed it. And I was like, nope, I cannot do that again. (laughs) Somehow psychologically, that that made me feel like it's not working. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, no, I don't, I didn't, I didn't like that method. And I am, I used to be so smart before I had babies. I don't think people realize that like, you know, once you have a baby, your brain is just baby, right? Um, and I used to could be able to read something and I could regurgitate it like nothing, right? Um, it used to freak my mom out. Um, and now I'm like, no, I'm going to have to read this six more times. It's also COVID. COVID brain is a real thing. And I think it killed many blood cells or brain cells. Oh. And it, we're all like, am I drunk? Am I high? No, it's COVID. <laughs> I I'm I'm like yeah 
So I am knee deep in my studying. I'm always up in the middle of the night um, because I'm nursing, but also because I'm studying. Um, literally, when I sit on the toilet, if I if I'm going to take a five extra minutes and like do the flashcards, like do five minutes of flashcards. If I'm in the car, I live in Slidell. We go to New Orleans for work. And I'm going to do the flashcards. Yeah, I'm going to do the flashcards on the drive. Um, so I may be overdoing it. But also, I am a doer. My hands need to be doing something. Mm -hmm. So I'm always like, oh, yeah. And I'm always like, can I feel your pelvis? Or, you know, everything is a learning opportunity. So if somebody is talking about something, I'm like, can I ask a question? Or mm -hmm. I just learned this really cool thing. Do you mind if I tell you? Because I learn in real time, yes. right? Which is why midwifery works. Right, right. You it's learn that on model. The yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, my God, this has nothing to do with this. But I just thought about it. Can I please tell you this is how I study? Um, people are probably quite sick of me. Right. So your because, test is tomorrow. Uh, I mean, basically, it's scheduled for tomorrow. No, it's not. I made that up. Uh, I'm, I'm getting my paperwork signed tomorrow so they can schedule it for Friday. That's what I said. OK, OK, OK. So that's Friday, August 6th. Is that what that is? Oh, hold on. Yeah. They, they won't August have it. Fifth. No, Norm won't give me a turnaround time that quickly, will they? What? The 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 um the uh results? No, to schedule the test. Oh no. Yeah, no. No, okay. So once so, you turn it in, you could that's be approved, just wishful thinking. Test, and then you can schedule yeah. it. And then it's sometimes yeah. like a month. That's so it's just wishful thinking that they'll just go ahead and do it, right? Yeah, well, but okay. What sure. would you like to say to yourself? Before? Oh, because I, I'm gonna have to come back and listen to this. Yes. Um, um, failing is not failing. Failing is learning. So if you did not pass it that first time, that's fine. We just learned how to take it a second time, and that's okay. That's mm. okay. That is okay. That's okay. Some people take it four times before they figure out how to do it. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. If I have to take it four times, I'm probably I'm probably not gonna take it a fourth time. Maybe mm -hmm. a second time. But it's gonna be six months before I take it that second time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and it's gets more and more stressful the longer it takes because you're yeah. not you're not practicing, right? It's yeah. like more and more time. Yeah. But um this season I've been focusing on students that just graduated and are like to have taken the norm or about to take the norm. Yeah. And so I've learned a couple tidbits from them. Okay. And so two things that I'll share with you. The first is that most of the questions are choose the best answer. Okay. So it'll be something like they've lost so much, blah, 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 blood. Choose the best answer. And there could be two or three answers that could work, right? Like ones like give miso, give pit, give Angelica. Okay. You're like, which one do I do, right? Choose the best answer. And the one that is like the most conservative. Okay, so that's what I keep hearing. So when I'm studying, I'm like, okay, if it's give miso, give pit, and give Angelica, obviously I'm going to give the Angelica, but they want me to give the pit. Right. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's the hard part. 
that is the hard part is that you may not actually do that because, um, this test doesn't always take into account, well, how much bleeding is it? What, what's the client's preferences here? Right? Like there's a lot of things going on. Um, but yeah, like transfer or rub frankincense oil on the baby. We're going to trend. Right. Like, Uh, yes. So that's one tidbit. The second is you may, you can apply for if you feel like you have um, ADHD, anxiety, test-taking anxiety, you can apply to split the test into two parts in two days. I did not know this, and this is the information. Okay, listen. So, (laughs) I am a very, I was one of those people, I just told you, if I read it once, I knew it. And, and I took AP biology and anatomy and physiology, AP anatomy and physiology in high school to the point that my AMP teacher was like, you're just going to be the co-teacher because right. like, I literally got a hundred on everything. He's like, I cannot put a hundred on your report card, but I'm like, but you can, and you're going to put the hundred down yeah. because I, it was just my jam. I love human bodies right I'm obsessed it's my favorite thing ever um to the point that when my husband dies and he's gonna go first I'm going to take his pelvis out of his body and keep it I am I tell him that all the time he needs to put it in his will that's how I how obsessed I am with like bodies okay um and like I knew all of this stuff right and I get ready to take the ACT and I totally bombed the ACT and my mom is like how what happened and I'm just like I was so nervous Mm -hmm. and they said C was the best answer so for half the test I just put C (gasps) they said statistically C is the right answer so for at least half the test I put C and my mom is like okay we have to figure something else out so We, I remember taking like a practice test ACT of like the second go yeah. around and I scored a perfect score. And my mom mm-hmm. was like, this makes no sense. I'm like, because it, it was wasn't a real pressure. test. It wasn't yeah, real. It was fake. Pressure. You had time. It wasn't. Yeah. So I am consider going to that for this. I need that because with like, le- I can take it over two days. That's fine. With the less stress. Yep. I can do it and Breathe. I can think clearly yes. and yes. And I'm like, that's how I am in, in, in birth. I, in the moment, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a second. Who is that that says um, you put your butt on the floor and breathe in the respiration? She does NRP. It's Karen Strange. Um, Karen Strange, yeah. But it, I think it's feel your feet on the floor. Feel okay. your feet on the ground. I've been saying yeah. that wrong for so long because I definitely like, let me put my butt on the floor and I like metaphorically put my butt on the floor and I take a big <laughs> breath. You could be bleeding, yeah. Yeah. but in order for me to I'm manage grounded. your hemorrhage, I need to take that breath. And once I take that breath, I'm going to save your life. Well, and fast is slow and slow is fast, right? Absolutely. So we're like running around, yelling at people, throwing things across the room. Like, yeah we are going to have a big problem. But if we're yeah. like, okay, I'm going to take my glove off so I can draw this pit better because I know I'm going to be better at that. And I'm going to yeah. slow. And yeah. it's like 10 times faster, right? Yeah. So yeah, feel your feet on the ground, you know, but um, the other thing too, to- uh, I can't to believe consider. it's feel your feet on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> no, literally, I'm always like, you put your butt on the ground like that one lady says. 
I've been I've been telling other hey, people to put their butt but on. But maybe the it works for you. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, if it were that, I'd listening. be like, how do I? <laughs> if Karen Strange is listening, I'm so sorry. I'm butchering such a great thing. I'm gonna rectify but, the issue. But that's it funny. worked for you. It, she, that's all she wants. That's all <laughs> she wants is for people to ground and breathe before they had it. That's manage so the funny. Oh my god. <laughs> But the last thing is try to like take a study vacation right before the test. Like do okay. not study up until the day, you know, like, you know, this information, like you just said, you know, this information. So the day before the test, do not open a book, go have fun, go enjoy the day, go somewhere you love, just like we tell women yeah. Yes. They're 41 yes. weeks. Yes. And they're yes. wanting this baby yeah. to come out. We don't yeah. tell them to go stress out of it. And honestly, I don't know if you do, but I don't tell them to go try all these things. I'm like, no, oh, be yummy. Go be full of oxygen. Yes. Watch funny yep. movies. Be yeah. happy. Be in a place that makes you feel good. Yeah. Because that's going to work. And Shay, it's the same for you. Go feel good. because you. I'm, drink- I'm drinking all of this in because I need somebody once a week to tell me like to relax about it I really do you yeah because this. it's got it's gotten to the point where I'm like okay yeah yeah you might be totally yeah and like so manage how much you study you know yeah maybe it's that maybe it's that For sure. so uh what advice would you give a someone a, a someone wanting to become a midwife in Louisiana God, do it. Do it. Do it. Don't hesitate. Don't take your time. Don't think about it. Don't do any of that. If you have woken up from a dream and you say, and somebody in that dream told you, go be a midwife, you say, great, let me go to school today. I'm going to apply today. Don't wait until tomorrow. If you drag your feet, you're going to drag your ass. Don't wait. Mm -hmm. Do it. Mostly because we need you. We can count all the midwives on our hands, literally, maybe three of them. Um, and why? Why? Why are you waiting? Mm-hmm. Are you waiting for the statistics to change? Because they aren't. Because you are need you- to be the statistics to change. Exactly. Are you are you waiting for the black preceptor? Don't do that. That's done. Okay. Cause I mean, sure, go halfway across the state, right? Um, don't don't wait for the black preceptor don't wait until your kids get older and you have more time don't do that just do it because even if you start today and it takes you seven years to finish you still start it today put your best foot forward make a decision and just do it and I like along the way you're just going to find so many people and you're like okay I'm gonna keep going because I ran into you right or I'm gonna keep going because you're gonna have a third baby and I have to be there for yes. the birth, right? Yes. Um, you're going to bump into those people. So it really is just do it. Do it. And I'm always, I'm probably, I'm an Aquarius. I'm the wrong person to ask because I'm going to encourage everybody. If you if you think you can fly, go jump off the house, please. Okay. <laughs> I want to see you do it. I'm going to be waiting at the bottom, but I want to see you at least try because the most you can do is get it wrong, right? And that's okay. We have so much life to live that we're wasting time waiting to live it. 
Well, and, 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 you know, that has not been the narrative for 15 years, probably more for people thinking about becoming midwives. Yeah. The narrative has been, you know, wait till you're done having a family. Yep. You know, the narrative has been, what are you going to do for me to prove that this is yep. serious? How much yeah. muck work can I put you through until yeah. you prove to me that this is serious, right? Yeah. Or, you know, no, I need you to go be a doula, be a birth assistant, do unpaid yep. work for this yep. blank amount of time before trying it, you yeah. know, or being laughed at because they haven't had kids yet. Yep. Right. Oh, and so that's a big one. That's it's a big, a big one. one. A you know, one. yes, there, there has been more barriers put up by midwives. Yeah. That are blatant and in your face and verbal and abusive and lateral violence. Yep. than there has been by the obstetric patriarchy of the Absolutely. medical complex, and which is cra- which is so crazy. But I mean, yes, have a plan, save your money, find a good support system. But honestly, I am a big proponent of if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I was taught like by my granddad, um, I, I want to say it's a James Brown song, but if, if you can't, what is it like? If you can't go, go through the door, go through the window, don't mm. let anybody stop you and stand in your way. Damn sure. Don't let it be another midwife standing your way. Right. You move right Ooh. around home girl and you keep going. Do not let these people get in your way. And if you are a black student, definitely don't let no white woman send you away. Like mm-hmm. I would honestly be like, girl, what are you doing? And if you need a pep talk, I promise you my number is the one to dial. I literally had to give a pep talk to another student um, who lives across the state. And I'm like, you live on the Texas border. Why are we having this conversation, baby? Okay. Because I would have hopped, skipped and jumped over there a long time ago. Speaking of. What are you doing? How can people find you? What's your, your IG, your Facebook, <laughs> your YouTube, your Venmo, your cash app, My your YouTube. website? <laughs> um, I don't have a YouTube. So many people have been pushing the YouTube thing. I am not well-versed in that. I do have my own podcast, homecomingpodcast.com, where we tell the stories of Black families who birth at home and in love. Hashtag welcome home. Hashtag welcome Black home. Um, so homecoming podcast is definitely a thing. We're on a little sabbatical right now because both of us are midwifery students. So that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, you can also find all of my birth stories on homecoming podcast, all three of them. Um, you can find me on, on Facebook at Shay Pounds, but honestly, getting into my Facebook is like getting into a club. Okay. Like everybody is waiting in line. I know. I think I got in like two years ago and was yes. watching your lives. And I was like the only white woman on your lives. And I was like, yes. am I allowed to be here? And then I was like, I'm staying. This is how I become a safe person. Like I it stay. Is. That is, that is exactly it. Um, no, somebody literally has to be standing next to me. Like I'm sending you a friend request right now. Yeah, please, ex- <laughs> please accept my friend request. I am because I post my kids on there. I'm more like, tight about my um facebook um follow me on instagram i need to make like a people always follow me on instagram for like 
birthy content. That's not what's there. It's like me cursing and my kids and sometimes a repost from some other midwife. But I'm Shay, C-H-A-E, the Supreme, um, where supreme beings go to have supreme beings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Um, <laughs> you can find me there. My business page is Supreme Midwifery. I don't post a single thing on there. It's literally just for show. Um, my cash app is Shay the midwife or no, I'm sorry. My cash app is midwife Shay. My Venmo is Shay, C-H-A-E pounds, capital P-O-U-N-D-S, like how much you weigh. Following me anywhere, it literally is like me being a mom. It's never really midwifery heavy. That's not my jam. I share things and I rant and I curse. So if you are, you know, if you have sensitive ears, I'm definitely not the place for you. Um, but yeah, you can follow me all of those places. I love to interact with people. It takes me three days to DM you back, but I do eventually get around or it takes us months to book this podcast, but yeah. I do eventually get back around. I love talking to people. I actually posted a question on my Facebook and my Instagram today just to like gauge people. You know, you get a midwifery thing out of me every now and then, but I love to reserve that um, for my clients. That energy is um, specific for them. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, but reach out to me. I'm happy to to do all the things. Yeah. Mm-hmm.